Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the privilege it is to know you and to grow in you. And I pray that you would be working your Holy Spirit into our hearts and to our lives even now as we listen to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you been finding it easier to live out your faith these days or more difficult? More difficult. Some just can't even answer. They just don't want to answer. So have you found people more receptive to Jesus or less receptive? Uh, seeking or, or antagonistic? Yes, I heard nothing of that. So try again. Antagonistic. What was that other one, Mary? You said something? Antagonistic. I've seen, a, I've known a couple of people who have been receptive that have never been before, and so I'm encouraged by that. At the same time, we see divisiveness and division uh, growing crazy across our world and our country. And I, I think that I've got something that can encourage you, and I, I received it in a card to this week. It was one of those getting older cards. Here's, here's one comment that was written in here. Have you really grown wiser this year, or are you acting up because it's your birthday today? <laughs> that wasn't the encouraging one. You know, there's uh, so many different words that people have said, but a couple of things that have encouraged me is that, that God made you. That was actually my mother-in-law's card. God made by God, uniquely designed. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, made by God and praying for you. And God, I love you. You know, blessings and all of that. When we were calling around to the community, our, our faith community during the quarantine days, the thing that we noticed repeatedly was how encouraging it was for people to receive a call and to have someone pray for them. Listen to what's going on in their lives and just join them in prayer. The beautiful thing about this text that we are looking at today is that Jesus is the one that is praying for you. That you're not alone. As you go through the ups and downs, the trials, that Jesus himself is praying for you. And his prayer for you, we can uh, look at. Let's, why, why don't you watch as we uh, think through this text and then consider uh, what you're hearing as you listen to this. Beginning in John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. And now, Father... 
Glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. They have kept your word, and now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I've given them the words you gave me, and they've received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. Verse 9, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. I am glorified in them, and I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you gave, have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction that Scripture might be fulfilled. But now I'm coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because of they are not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Kind of a longer text, <clears throat> but I'd like to highlight a few things, and I don't know what it was that caught your attention as you're listening to that, but I'd like you to notice three, four things that Jesus is praying for you. First, that, he know, that you know him, you keep his word, that we would be united, and that we would live for him. I think that you can find hope with those four areas if we take some time and look at it and think about it. Because being connected to him is the only place we're going to find hope. We're not going to find hope in any of the other aspects of life in our world around us. But we're going to find hope if we look to Christ. So let's look at that first one. Verse 3. You can find hope for life when you know him. Verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. See, eternal life isn't just something for the future. It is a present reality. It, it begins here and now. It, it begins by knowing Jesus. And now, of course, you're going to think, well, of course, that's what you're expecting as an answer from a, a Sunday morning message, to know Jesus. 
But stop and think about that for a minute. What is your knowledge and what is it based on? Is it based on what you know about Jesus or your experiential, uh, your, your intellectual knowledge? Or is it experiential and personal? Is it relational? The scripture text is talking about a relational knowledge. One that is deep and personal. We don't have to look hard in the mirror to see our reflection. But when people look at us, do they see a reflection of Jesus? It it doesn't take much to tarnish that reflection if there is some. But the goal is that our lives would reflect him because he is so saturated in, in, into us that it just comes flowing out and overflowing. So you can find hope when you know him. If you don't know him, you're not going to find hope in him. But you can find hope also in his word because how do we know him except for what he has given us, his word? So look at, let's look at verse 8 first. We'll come back to 6 and 7. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. So this text it describes two things. It describes a receiving and uh, excuse me, a giving and a receiving of that word of God. So if you stop and think about it, this here, this word that we have so easily accessible on our phones, our tablets, our computers, this is the word of God given to you. And we can take that which is given easily, when we have easy access to it, it can become casual or uh, we, don't, we can take it for granted. This word, it's his instruction, his love letter, his will poured out for us to know. But unless we receive it, it's not going to help. We're not going to have any hope that's going to come out of that. And I, you know, to be honest, this past months of quarantine, I was expecting that I was going to have more time to receive that word of God from, in devotion times. And some days it, it was working, but other days... All of the distractions were overwhelming my time. How about you? Were you able to take more time to be in God's Word? To receive that Word? We have a, a number of members of the Gideons that are part of our congregation. And I have you know, the responsibility of the Gideons. Their, their uh, mission is to distribute God's Word. I remember one story of Bob King, who was uh, handing out those little Bibles, pocket testaments, at uh, Normandale College. And the person had received it, put it in the backpack, kind of just threw it on the shelf when they got home. No real concern. And something happened in, in her life where she picked that up and read it, and that sparked a change in her life. And she later 
found Bob King handing out Bibles again at Normandale, ran up to him, told, her, told him the story, and then ended up becoming a national speaker for the Gideons and really transformed life. Because God's word was given. And it was received. We can uh, notice also, I want to just look at verse 6 and 7. It says, They have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given is from you. Everything you've given me is from you. Do you recognize the difference between knowing and keeping? That text describes both parts of that. There's a lot of things that we know that we should do, things that are wise and good and helpful, and we don't do them. We, uh, whether it's eating, whether it's instructions from a doctor, whether it's parents giving instructions to children, we know what is wise and good and helpful with regard to our finances or with regard to our everyday actions of life. But doing them is the hard part. You can't keep his word unless you know it. But even if you do know it, it's hard to live that out. But 1 John 5.3, let me just read this short text. It says, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Why? Because they are for our good. He desires good for you in your life. How can we find hope? We can find hope when we know Jesus. We can find hope when we know his word and keep his word. And we can find hope when we are united together in him. This is a, a crazy statement. Look at what it says in verse 11. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. What a radical statement to make. Keep them in your name so that they may be one. We have so many opinions about everything in life. Whether it's how we make coffee, whether it's uh, how we act or react to the, uh, the situation that we're in the middle of with the corona and all that, whether it's uh, political views or, or societal views. We have uh, um, Pastor Bob Lee, pre former president of the AFLC, he has a desire to write a book called Great Church Splits. And... <laughs> And he shared a few of those stories. He said there's a few people that need to die before he can write that book. But he shared a few of them over coffee at, at the headquarters. Uh, he, he described one of them where the church split because someone put a fan in the middle of the church. Uh, another one was because of the church carpet. And a third one was because of plumbing. Uh, part of the church thought the outdoor toilet was still fine and acceptable, and others thought it was appropriate to have an indoor toilet. There's a lot of things that divide us. Some of them are comical and humorous like that. Some of them are serious. 
We have topics that are divisive and they seem to multiply. Uh, what, what do we do about topics like life or race or politics, worship style, doctrine, eternity? I was talking to a, a teacher this week and describing the challenge of going back to school and, and the difficulty of people coming to agreement and how that's to be done. Uh, you've got parents and their perspectives. Kids have different perspectives. You've got the administration and then society putting pressure on them, and then the teachers. What is it that can bring us together? How can we become united as a church? Well, let me look at this here again, verse 11. It's such a a simple thing, but it's such a profound thing as well. Verse 11 says, Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. Because it's the name of Jesus that has the power to bring us together. It's not our opinions that are going to bring us together, but it is Christ. Because why is that? Why does that have the ability, the power to bring us together? Because in his name, his love is displayed. His his, uh, forgiveness is found. His mercy overflows. In him is grace. In him is Uh, our life and breath. We we can look at all of the history of God working in amongst his people. All associated with his name. That is what can cause us to come together. It causes us to submit our agendas and our priorities. And we worship him. When the Lord is Lord of our life, then we have one master, one ruler, and one protector. I like verse 12. It it says this simple statement. It's kind of an encouraging statement here, I think, as we think of trying to find hope. Beginning of verse 12, I have guarded them. That's an encouragement. Just that simple statement. that We're not the protector of our own lives, but he himself is. That's his name. And and verse 13 is kind of a comical verse too. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Here's Jesus right before he goes to the cross, and he's talking about his joy being fulfilled in us. That's associated with his name. And that joy just might be contagious, just might overflow to the world, just might change everything as we live for him. That's the fourth point. How do we find hope is when we live for him. Verse 14, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them. Oh, Praise God. What a hope. What a good encouragement. Uh, well, that's reality. It is true. There's, when there's a contrast between how one person lives and another, it shines the, the things that someone is trying to avoid. 
the, the Christian life shines the darkness, makes it re- reveals the darkness, shows it more strongly. And so what do you do as a Christian? Do we, the world hates us, so we go and hide? We separate ourselves? Well, there's church bodies that have done that. I think of the Amish or think of uh, maybe the Quakers, different groups that have said, I'm just not going to have anything to do with the world. That's not the answer. That's not going to help. The, the, the hope is that we can have a whole a high standard as Christians. Uh, think of the pietists that kept a high standard of Christian living. And then live in and amongst the world. But it makes that person a little bit like an alien. You can, you can go home and say, Pastor Kevin said that we were aliens. I think we need to pray for him. <clears throat> but it makes a strange contrast, a paradox, between Christ and the culture. How do we live in the world and then not of it? Verse 15. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So the paradox is that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. And how can this balance be kept? There are some people who focus so much on spiritual things, uh, the Bible study, and we've got another Bible study, and volunteering on Wednesday night, and, and they're involved in so many different things that way, but they don't have any engagement with their society, with their neighbors, caring about those that are right around them. On the other hand, you've got people that are so involved in the world and all of these extra activities, and, but they really don't have time for God. There's a need to be in the world, engaged, affecting change, but not to be consumed by or overcome by that world. It's a, it's a challenge because we live in two worlds. Two, we're citizens of two different worlds. Uh, we're living active members of an earthly world, subject to our government, supporting our community, involved with our neighbors. At the same time, we have a different king. We have a different home. We have a different set of guidelines. We have a different nature, different desire, different goals. So this emphasis on two kingdoms. Ambassador for the kingdom of God, living in the kingdom of man. But ambassadors are sent for a purpose. They are sent with a designation, an intent. Verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. Verse 19. So the one that is sent, they're sent with a purpose, with a mission, with a goal, with a And that is to carry out, you know, we're ambassadors for for Christ. We're to carry that message of Christ, to change the world on that behalf. Well, there's a lot of people that are 
out in the world trying to affect change. And so their desire is to make the world a better place. Maybe we all have that thing in common. We Think of just recently, people that are out in the world trying to affect change. You've got politicians, police officers, protesters, and preachers. They just seem like they all match together there. Having the same goal of affecting change, of bringing about a better society in various means or method. But the difference becomes in what is the change agent? What is the power to make that change possible? And that's where we are sent by God. And the power comes from him. He's the one that makes the change possible. He's the one that changes us. He transforms us from the inside and is the only one that is going to change our society and our world. He's the only one that's going to give us hope. You can have hope because Jesus is praying for you. In fact, uh, I, you know, I was talking about the card that I read, but I, I read another card, and it was from your father. Let me read that. says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. I love you, and I'm praying for you. You know, the thing is that Jesus prays for us. It doesn't depend on anything about our gifts and talents or abilities. It depends completely on him. Because he's the one that knows you better than you know him. He's the one that's given you his word. He's the one that desires to live in you. And he's the one that calls you. Calls you to be an alien in the midst of a crazy world. Calls you to be an ambassador. And he calls you to live out your life in a creative way that brings glory to God. Maybe like an artist. I hope that gives you hope. Because, because he loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do praise you for who you are. We recognize that in ourselves that we've got all manner of challenges, and whether it's the one challenges we look at and find in the mirror, or whether it's the ones that we see around us, we need you. And, and Father, sometimes maybe our knowledge about you is more intellectual, more just factual than it is personal. And maybe there are some here today that are saying, I really want that personal relationship with, with you, Heavenly Father. And I know that's a prayer that you would love to answer. And I know that you, you give us that answer in your word. 
Oh, Lord, may that word fill us and revive us and refresh us. That it even that your word would be that which draws us together to be united because of your name. And then as we go out into this world, as we try and live our lives, you would use us. Use us for your glory. That when people see us, they would see a reflection of you, Jesus. And thank you for the hope that you give in Jesus' name. Amen.